it's the Creator Spaces show. Unmute yourself. Stop consuming and start creating. Some of the tweets that I do, it's almost like reminders to myself. And I guess I'm not sure this would be the exact phrase. And just to start, just it's like the night slogan, just do it. <laughs> Start creating content now in capital letters. And I would probably send it to my 18-year-old self. I've only been writing online and sharing my ideas online for less than a year. And I've been able to meet all these interesting people, find a creative outlet for myself, and also find all these incredible opportunities that have the potential to, not so far ahead, provide a whole living for me. Imagine if I had started back when I was 18, I would be freaking Mr. Beast. If you're thinking of doing something, just start. And I wish that, I wish I started the newsletter earlier. I wish I started my entrepreneurial journey earlier. Everything that I'm doing now, I wish I started earlier. If I could write a tweet to my old self, I'd be like, just quit and take the shot. You're 23 years old. Honestly, what's the worst that could happen? You have to go get another job. And I've done that before. I've quit, tried to do something when I was working with my father, and it didn't work out to the level that we both needed it to. And I got back and got a job, and I'm working with my dad still. If you're 23 years old, 24 years old, and you don't have any responsibilities, and you're thinking about taking a shot, like, take a shot. I wish I would have done that earlier. Start sooner. Don't wait. And I should have been doing a B2B sales community 10 years ago. And I should have written a book 10 years earlier. Start with what you know and with what you have. Could you explain that a bit more? A lot of people, or at least for myself, I went to buy an online course because I didn't know what I didn't know almost. And... I got a lot of imposter syndrome because I was teaching something to teach other people that I didn't really have any experience on. So I didn't realize that back then I only knew about traveling. So I could just start talking about traveling. And then as I grew more as a content creator, then I would talk about how to create content. That's my advice to someone is whatever journey or situation you are in right now, there is somebody out there who is one step behind you. So whether you only have a phone the internet which is what you need in order to spread your message you have enough like what you know right now is good enough so that's what i mean that with start with what you know with what you have back to my start it was end march actually because the march cohort starts in april yeah so that was actually the first day that i made twitter just for ship dirty so i would have told myself just discover more about yourself which is actually what i was doing like i was discovering more about myself so I would tweet to myself, discover your true colors, just that, and everything else will come. You know who you are and don't ignore it. When I was working for a radio station and I was a radio presenter for a couple of years, I worked in the creative department for radio station, basically writing radio ads. I think then I would tweet that person and I'd say, don't be so damn self-important <laughs> because uh, I think that there's a certain amount of time when you need desperately to believe in yourself. And when you're believing in yourself, then you start being a little bit too arrogant. And I think that's a regret. But in terms of starting pod news four years ago now, I think I would probably tell myself patience is a good thing and make sure that you focus on the things that matter.
along the lines of the mental health conversation, I guess it would be something along the lines of, yeah, just take it easy. But I think, I don't know if it would have been good advice because I, I wouldn't be here today if I wouldn't have gone through the shit. Secondly, I don't think I would have listened to a tweet if I didn't listen to my mom even. One mental model that I really like is the concept of tension and release, which is, I see it everywhere. So it's like in, in, in computer science, it's like the zero or one states. It's either on or it's off. In like mental states, it's either you're focused or, or wandering. In muscles, it's like either you have your muscle flexed or it's relaxed. And understanding this concept a little bit earlier, I think could have improved some of the aspects. So even the mental health aspects around, I know that I have to go hard, but if I do, then at least I need to relax a little bit more. And I guess that would have been the tweet as to when, maybe 10 years ago, anything before that, my, my mental capacity wouldn't have been there <laughs> to even consume that. You are intrinsically worthy. I think that's it. And I could add some other things, but essentially it's there's that sense that the real estate that you stand on the planet and that your tree is not having an existential dilemma about that there being a piece of shit of an oak. It just funnels life energy and does its oak thing. It's full expression of oakiness. And we all have that. And so I think that sense of the intrinsic worthiness is what I mean by that. And when I say we're not broken, that's also what I mean. Like that fractal within us that plugs into the life force that animates the universe is complete. It is not broken and it is worthy by definition. Our existence validates us. Ah, there you go. That's one. Our very existence validates us. So we've got your intrinsically worthy and our very existence validates us. Mm -hmm. I think you could fit both of those in a single tweet. Because we exist, we are intrinsically worthy of our existence. There you go. That's the sentence. Filter for the positivity. Follow who is bringing positive engagement to your life and just get rid of the noise. Block and mute what isn't benefiting. Probably it would be I'd be retweeting Bill Gates's tweet so that I could see that I asked that guy a question and, and he answered it in a very, I think, compelling way. And that would teach me a couple of things. I didn't understand for years how important that tweet was. I was very wrapped up in my own ego and thinking, oh, man, Bill Gates responded to my tweet. Bill Gates. I didn't stop to think how provocative and important his message was. So those would be the two things. Hey, it's pretty cool. I'd be like, oh, you can reach anyone. If you have something interesting to say, you can reach anyone in the world. And then the other part of that big learning would be mi tiempo vale mucho. Like my time is worth a lot. And I'd want to make sure that throughout my life, I'd respected that. And in some cases I haven't, and I wish for that time back make a lot of friends, create a lot and create a lot of content. And then I would say be patient and learn to enjoy the process. I think those are really the, the three things. I think a lot of people, they do it alone or they think they just have to bootstrapping means they're, they just have to go in a hole and just start building stuff. When in reality, I think that a lot of your success comes from who you know, but also who knows you. Again, with this whole practice of borrowing other people's audience, a lot of that comes through relationships and networking and who can make an intro for you. And so I think friends and just allies are super, super important. On that second bit around just create a lot, I think I did a good job of my reps and sets in with like products and projects, but not on the like content production side of things. Like what am I learning? Who am I? What do I know? What's my domain kind of knowledge and expertise? 
And the content creation part is really what helps you to build an audience to get an unfair advantage around, again, who knows you, right? And, and then once you have an audience, then you can figure out what to sell them or what to build for them, how to build a business around this group of people that you love and you want to serve. But it's always a grind and nothing happens on time. Everything takes longer than you think. And so learning to enjoy the process, I think is a big part of it just to give yourself some longevity and stay sane along the way because it's not easy. And so do you want to go back and rephrase your tweet now? Sure. Yeah. I would say three steps to success in four years, make as many friends as you can share everything and build a habit of doing the things that you love. There you go. If you're a creator, you're either creating for yourself and you have to let go of the expectations. You're creating for an audience and you're like very aware that you're playing that game or you're finding a blend of both. And it's been a very recent realization for me. And so I would love to send that back to 19 year old, socially inept and mm-hmm. emotionally challenged Cole. But At the same time, I don't think he would have been able to hear it. And that's the irony of those types of questions. I think I could go back and give him all the answers, but sometimes that's the whole point of the journey. That's how you learn. Don't worry about niche, just start publishing. And I'm still there where I'm still a little bit hesitant to proclaim a niche or focus on a niche. But I wish I would have started writing and publishing, whether it's on Substack or elsewhere. So it would have been more about just start writing, getting it online in a catalog library type format. And that'll help you find your way a lot faster than just thinking about it. Because the more we think about things, the more we get paralyzed by our thoughts and ideas. And I think if we just start writing stuff and getting that feedback on them, whether it's our own perspective of feedback or other people's feedback, that's going to get you so much farther, so much faster. So my tweet would be, don't worry about niche, just start publishing. Building on top of a platform is is a really great way to launch and, and get traction as long as you have a long-term plan for becoming the main dish or the main thing. Because at some point, as I found out the hard way with Medium, they can pull, your, pull it out from under you and all of a sudden you're in a bad place. When you are consuming content, if I'm reading something for three hours and I'm not taking down notes, it's basically like Netflix for me. I'm just forgetting it. Your mind is a very unreliable thing to rely on for all the information. And so you really need to take notes. And the more notes you take, the better you get at writing. In a nutshell, it would be like when you do consume content, note it down. My start would probably be when I was in college and I started posting on LinkedIn. And my advice would be to myself to start on Twitter instead. I think if I had started on Twitter back then instead of LinkedIn, let's take an extra three, four years head start, the payoff would have been huge. LinkedIn is great, but it's you have to be careful of like who your audience is and how durable it is. Yeah, my advice would have just been to start on Twitter instead of LinkedIn. I would try to tweet back to me the day I joined Twitter, which is like somewhere in in 2009. And I would just really tell myself to try providing value in every single interaction, like try to help people and empower people every single time you start typing something. Because adding value to interactions is generating this whole flywheel effect. People are interested in you because you give them something meaningful that they didn't think of before. They look at you, they start following you, they start being interested in what you're doing. And that's the whole build in public thing in a way because people start rooting for you. They want to see you succeed, so they will help you. Case in point is the product hunt launch I did today and even the product hunt launch I did a year ago, which is on the, I think the 30th of June last year in 2020 when I launched Zero to Sold. I had 4,000 some followers back then on Twitter, which is already substantial. And they helped me get to, I think it was number two product of the day because I had been giving them stuff, value every single time I talked to them. And I only understood that in 2019, at the end of the year, when I started really using Twitter, not just as a place to lurk on, but also a place to engage and interact with people. 
So that would be my my message. I would probably give it in a in a more succinct way than saying provide value every time you engage with somebody, but that would be the most tweetable. So I guess that would be all right. I think that I would probably send a tweet back to when I started my influencer marketing agency. That was 2015. And I would tweet to myself to focus on helping creators directly rather than indirectly. What I mean by that is that when I started the agency, I was really excited to bring brand sponsorship opportunities to creators. And, and that was, again, that's like an indirect way of helping them with money. But what I learned was that's really not enough. It, it doesn't get at the root of the issues that they experience in their business as creators. And if they don't address those, one little brand deal isn't going to help them turn their business into something sustainable and scalable. Could you dig in on that? Yeah. So again, if you don't have a comprehensive strategy, especially if brand partnerships is a big part of your business, in my experience, what happens with most creators is they work with a brand and then they literally never talk to them. It's like they fire themselves from their nine to five job every single month. And a big part of what I teach is a lot of creators have never had a real job before. So they don't understand what professional business relationships are like. They don't understand how to operate within those. They don't know how to build relationships so that they can turn those from this these one-off deals into a protracted partnership. And so if you don't have that mindset and you go in and you get a brand deal, what's that saying? where if you give a man a fish or you teach him to fish, right? It's, it's the same type of idea, which is I want to be in the business. My North Star is like helping teach creators to like how to think about this much more holistically. Yes, brand partnerships are great, but how can you turn that one deal into a year-long ambassadorship or year-long partnership for all of your brand partners that you're working with? And you turn this into an actual career where you have recurring income and you don't have anxiety about how you're going to pay your bills next month. That's really the mindset that you need to have, especially you're a social media creator because you can make so much money and just have a much more peaceful existence and be able to concentrate on what you truly love, which is creating content rather than hustling to find your next deal every time. I joined Twitter back in March, 2008. It was all the rage at that point because of South by Southwest Interactive that year and everybody was talking about it. And it was like, what's this? Let me go check it out. And we didn't know what to do with it back then. Everybody was like, okay, 140 characters. And people were just like, here's what I had for lunch. That was like the big joke. Post what you had for lunch because we didn't know what to do with it. So it took a while before we started figuring out how valuable this tool really was. But I would probably send a tweet to myself when I first started saying, just add value and just have fun. I would tweet back to Andile, who was at the time, I think, unhealthily invested in the commercial viability and the commercial potential of podcasting. I would say to him, beware how you frame impact, because this doesn't matter just because of your sense that this is going to take over the world and make you a relevant broadcasting talent and stop bathing off the glory of showing people you pick the right wave. Yeah. Just serve people, concentrate on that. It'll be good. It'll work out. So I would say, beware how you frame impact, focus on serving people and good things will happen. I think I would emphasize the value of working in public, creating in public more often. And I think that's something that I've always tended not to be as public about the work I'm doing. Now I'm a little bit more so than I used to be, but I've always tended to be more focused on the particular students I'm working with or particular colleagues I'm working with. And I'll use Twitter a little bit. Generally, I'm not out there publishing a lot. or And I think that's something that I could have done more of all along the way. So writing more medium posts that aren't 100% perfect or that aren't 100% of my vision of something, starting newsletters sooner, doing more 
more audio work sooner and more publicly, even if it's not 100% um, high quality, perfect material. I think just to tie a bow on that, the tweet would be lower standards. I think people have very high standards for themselves if they're ambitious people, if they're accomplished people. And sometimes that prevents you from really doing your best work because you don't put your work out there and you continually wait until it's better, right? You continually plan for more time, more effort, this or that thing to be ready. And then you just don't do as much and at least don't do as much in public. And putting stuff out there in public is where it really has a chance to resonate with other people and get feedback and improve and so forth. And so I think that would be that the tweet would be lower your standards because that will allow you to be imperfect in public. And, and that's helpful. It's important to be. There's something in between the sloppiness and, and perfection that's a, a better aspiration point. To send myself a tweet back, it would be 2011 when I first moved to the US from India. And I was so naive. I was 21 year old. And I think I spent a lot of time idealizing some of these legends in Silicon Valley or tech in general, because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to be a tech founder. But I spent so much time, maybe 2011 to all the way, maybe even 2016, five, six years, idealizing them and trying to look like them on the surface, forgetting that what I was born with was enough. The point is not trying to be the next Steve Jobs. The point is to be the first KP. And for mm. that to happen, you need to basically stand up and actually be proud of your story, your flaws, the history, your mistakes and your limitations and put them aside and say, okay, here's all the stuff that I can't use them in my future, but here's the stuff that I can absolutely use, which is your skills. All of us have been given some random bag of skills. Now that skills combined with your curiosity as a torch will take you into the future forever if you are building in public. The one piece of tweet that I would have given myself is that KP, shut the fuck up and build in public, man. Why are you doing all this shit privately? Because I did so many things not on the internet. Somebody sent me a tweet from James Clear uh, who quotes like Albert Einstein's calling out compound interest as the eighth wonder. And I was like, what? At the time, I didn't get it. But now I fully understand it. Like everything that you do compound, if you don't do things that compound over time, you're royally screwed. It doesn't matter if you got better at a skill, but if you do things that compound, so building public or putting out content, podcasts, whatever, all of this actually compounds if you have the intentionality. So to get that down to 280 characters for me. I'll say this, you're enough unique and valuable. Stop trying to be someone else, be authentic and build in public. So I would send it back to 2012-ish when I really started doing digital internet work. I started doing freelancing and then I tried to build some websites on the side. And I would send something that says, finish what you start and put enough effort into it to see it through to the end. Because I think I wasted a whole lot of time starting things and not finishing them or starting finishing and then not putting any effort into growing because my expectations were wrong. I needed to manage my expectations that traction doesn't just come out of nowhere. Like you have to put a lot of effort into building traction and things compound over time. And I didn't understand that back then. And I think I wasted a lot of time not building things that would compound over time and rather building, abandoning, building again, abandoning again. And I think if I had started in 2012, I would have been so much further along today. And I'm starting today what I wish I would have started in 2012. I would have just reminded myself to stick with it and finish things out and put enough effort into it to see the traction come in instead of just giving up so easily. 
Just be consistent. And I know it's nothing original, but it is really the key. I've written newsletters for three years every single week, and it's something I do really well now, and it's not something that is a burden on me because I love doing it. I got really big on TikTok because I was consistent with my content. For the first four months, I made two videos a day, and then I scaled up to six videos a day, and then I scaled down to one video a day. But really just staying consistent is the hardest part of it because it's not hard to grow an audience. It doesn't mean that it's easy, but it's quite simple. The steps are really simple, but you just have to do them every single day. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I think people really underestimate the value of doing the same thing enough times that it starts to make a dent. And then the other thing probably that I forgot to mention was know your outcome. Because if you're just shooting for a vanity metric, you can get 300,000 followers because one of your videos goes viral and it gets 20 million views and you get 300,000 followers in the process. But if you don't know what your outcome is, you're just going to have 300,000 followers and nothing else. They will not have converted. You won't really be able to talk to them because you don't know how to reach them with the algorithm. And maybe you want to convert some of them to YouTube. Maybe you want to convert them to Instagram, to a product. Really know your outcome and be deliberate in choosing a platform or a lifestyle for that matter, that actually suits what it is you're trying to achieve. Because when you live out of people's dreams, or when you say, Alex got 3,000 followers, I want that too. You have to know why you're getting it. Since coming back on Twitter on March 6th of this year, I started my account, I think in 2009, I had 100 followers and people from way before when I was in Ottawa. And I had no reason to be on Twitter, no reason to build an audience, no reason to engage And also I thought that Twitter was a place where people come to argue where you only come if you have like super strong political opinions and you really want to argue with them about them in public, which I wasn't interested in. So I didn't engage. I didn't build an audience or anything. So I would send a tweet back to when I started and I would say, just put out something every day. Maybe back when I was making the app in the first place, which was my first year of university, I was 19. I was turning 20 that year. Aim higher, but other than that, I keep doing the same thing. I wish I would have a stronger No, that's, that's a pretty good answer. I mean, aim higher, but keep doing the same thing. I feel like that's pretty good advice. Keep doing the same thing is having the same input because aiming higher is going to drag that input a bit higher as well. I'm a big stoicism believer. And I think at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, I really did not focus on the things that I can control. Like in every situation, there's things that you can control and there's things that you can't. And being acutely aware of the things that are out of your control is very liberating, I've found. Oh, yeah. I get flack from people all the time for not being emotional about something that I have zero ability to affect. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think about the darkest moments that I've had in, in startup, in my startup career, it's been times that I am so emotionally and mentally and physically wrapped up in whatever this outcome is or whatever this thing is that's actually entirely out of my control. So if I were to send a tweet back to myself back in the day, and I'm still trying to remind myself this on a daily basis, pretty much, is focus on the things you can control, acknowledge and accept the things you can't. That's all. Awesome. That's the startup life. You got to accept it. You're going to get a lot of shit thrown at you throughout the journey. And you just got to accept that some of it is not your problem and not your burden to bear. Yeah. I think that's a lesson many founders learn a little too late. Unfortunately, yeah, I tend to agree. And I I think in a lot of ways, like it's so applicable outside of outside of entrepreneurship. We all just experienced a global pandemic. How much of this is in our control? And are you going to be stuck at home, upset, wallowing because we can't go to the store or whatever? Of course not. There's more to life than things that you can't control. There's a whole section of things that you can't worry about those things. It's hard. Nobody's saying this is easy, but it's got to be a conscious choice. And we're conscious beings. We have to accept that and choose that.
keep doing what God told you to do last until he tells you what to do next. And I think that should be what I would tell myself at the beginning of any journey. Or I would tell anyone at the beginning of any journey, just keep doing what God told you to do last until he tells you what to do next. Only focus on what you can control and let God handle the rest. Because I've noticed that once I try to control things that I can't, my mind just goes overdrive and I start overthinking and other bad things start setting in. And now I just want to focus on the thing that I know I have full control over, which, for example, is my physical well-being, my work ethic and my mindset and just let the other things be. Not try to force any outcome of any event, but make sure that I give at least 100 percent of my effort. At least 100 percent. I like that yeah. attitude. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be? Oh, damn. That's too hard. I'm going to go back to, <laughs> ah, it's so hard. I mean, the path not taken is just an unknown. I don't know. I think this lines up from everything I've learned about you is that you don't have any regrets. You're here living in the present and you're doing the things you want to do. You're building the things you want to build and you're not letting anything else stop you. I'm really stubborn. I don't know that I would have like <laughs> keep my own wisdom. Even now, if my 42-year-old self told me some advice, I'd probably be like, yeah, thank you, but I'm going to like kindly disregard that for now and go do my own thing. Stick to the vision, but focus on how you feel. That would be the thing because the how is transient. Don't be too aggressive. Sometimes I'm so aggressive when I chase something that I do step on some toes unintentionally. I think that's a cost, but the return of being aggressive is a lot higher. So I would tell myself, you will step on some toes as you get aggressive in marketing, but it will give you an edge in life. Being aggressive is not necessary for success, but it will give you an edge for life because the person that puts their hand up, for example, listening to this on a podcast, they're like, holy crap, Mario does this business. I could maybe work with him but they're too shy to actually pick up the phone and message me on Twitter or send me an email saying, hey, maybe we can work together and follow up and follow up. There's stories of people that have done this that ended up working with me. And you might bother me, but that's fine. It's a worthwhile risk in terms of potentially getting me as your business partner, et cetera. So my tweet would be, you will step on some toes along the way, but as long as it's unintentional, keep stepping on those toes. Just keep going. You're doing great. Because as much as I want to give specific direction. Don't trust uh, this person. Yeah, but also what if life unfolded how it was supposed to? Yeah. And even if I'm not happy, what if this is just the middle of the story and it's supposed to unfold a certain way? Why would I go in and try to redirect it? What I would say is keep going. You're doing great. Sweet to my 25-year-old self, just keep going. The only thing that matters in this is whether or not you quit. Don't. And I do believe that because I do think that's genuinely the only correlation that I've found between anybody who's found any, as they define success for themselves, that is the only thing that everybody has in common is that they just have not given up. Yeah, I think that's one thing that can never be discounted, especially in digital, where your returns really do compound, is that if you don't give up for long enough, you can eventually get traction. 100%. You see it in every single platform, whether it's blog, newsletter, people on YouTube, every single person that has, whether they have ultra success or they just get to make a living doing something they love, which is way more than enough, trust me, every single one of them, that's the through line. All right. I don't think I've told this story publicly before. I mentioned that before I came here, I worked at a company called TopTel, and that 
was the first job that I had ever really had outside of college stuff. So I ran my own web development company for, I don't know, half a decade or so. So I did that for a long time. And then I, my first job was building community at this hyper growth startup with super smart people. This was back when community was just getting started. My job was to fly around the country and host happy hours. It was a little bit more complicated than that, but like I was getting away with murder. The fact that they were paying me actual money to basically host events with really cool people. That was my whole life for years. And at some point, my grandfather passed away and I was there when it happened. And it was one of those moments where you're just reminded of how short life is. And you can't live with that awareness every day. You'd go crazy. But every once in a while, it sinks in. I remember I wanted to be a writer. I didn't want to be an event host. And I was just getting really good at events. So I made the decision to leave. And that was really hard because I was walking away from the best money I'd ever earned with no clear path to doing this thing that I wanted to do. No idea of how it was going to be pulled off. I just knew that I had to do it. And if I didn't do it, then it would, I would just never, I never try. So that was a big turning point for me. That was two years ago. And if I was to tweet back to that person, I would just say, it works out. Yeah. I'm now working with a way cool company, some of the coolest people I've ever known, doing some of the coolest work. Like, I can't believe this is a real job. So that would be it. It works out. And for anybody here who's creating something right now, there's not always a clear path from where you are to where you want to be, but it can still work out in ways that you'd never predicted. And the only way to figure it out is to give it a shot. So that would be it. It works out. I would send a tweet probably to myself around like 20 years old. Just tell myself to calm down. The whole message is it's going to be fine. Calm down. Would you mind digging in a little bit? What was going on then? How would you not calm? I'm guessing it's back to that big goals that you alluded to before. Yeah, I think my early 20s was filled with a lot of angst, as I think it is for a lot of people. There's this pressure of time. You feel like throughout the next decade, you need to do all of the things, whatever all of the things are, and you need to focus on the external metrics of success. I think also at that time, like I was going through a fair amount of stuff personally. It was very difficult that I was like being cracked open in terms of what the heck is life about. And so I would just say, it's going to be all right. Just keep moving day by day, put one foot in front of the other, lay one brick down today, just keep going and follow that kind of inner compass of what you enjoy doing and stop telling yourself these stories about how you need to be XYZ. Like we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation, I think a lot of times the vision of what we think we should be doing actually screws us up from doing the thing that we want to be doing um, and the thing that we'll be most successful and happy doing. Mental health is critically important. And I have struggled in the past with depression and with anxiety and with the whole FOMO thing. And does it make me not a real founder? Does it make me unfundable? All this kind of stuff, especially coming from the music world where that stuff is romanticized and it's not romantic. It's just painful. And it took a long time for me to realize reaching out for help talking to people and reaching out for support and going at your own speed. These are basic concepts in a way, but they're very hard. And if I could tell myself, it will be fine. There is life after failure. Focus on mental health and relationships. It'll all work out well in the end for you. And if it's not working out right now, it means it's not the end yet. 